In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. In this second Sunday after Epiphany, we are still celebrating the Epiphanies, the three great Epiphanies being the visit of the Magi, the baptism in the Jordan, and the wedding feast at Cana. We have a, a scene. We might not meditate upon it in the rosary, but we know it well. St. John Chrysostom, in his commentary on this passage of St. John's Gospel, makes a few very interesting observations. And he isn't bothered by the difference of opinion of Our Lady and Our Lord about the the timing of everything. Doesn't try to brush away um, this colloquialism about this, what is this between me and you? But just acknowledges that our Lord is obedient and he makes no claim that the uh, the precise hour must be observed. His, the hour of his death is going to come. The hour of his glory. And he, without hesitation, then sets about resolving the deficiency of wine. And then St. John Chrysostom observes how our Lord could have just as easily provided the water miraculously. He could have provided everything just by willing it. Why is it that our Lord did not in a sense, provide the water miraculously? Or why did he not just instantly fill them with wine? Why that extra step of sending the stewards to go and fill these huge containers with water? In a way which is fitting with the time when we still have the crush and we still observe how God does the most glorious things in the most simple and humble of ways. St. John Chrysostom observes this this humble manner of the the miracle not being um, so readily on display. Something that is allowed to to happen with, with subtlety. Now, surely there will be miracles that the Lord performs that are astounding and in public view. Another author suggests that our Lord, as the Son of God, the second person of the Holy Trinity,
had already created water when everything was created. Creating water, providing water is, is, is the divine act, which he's already done. What remains is for that water to be turned into wine. What remains are the things that human beings do. Planting a vineyard. Growing grapes. Harvesting the grapes. Crushing the grapes. Fermenting them. Aging it. The divine act, he's already done. What does he do here? He does the human act miraculously. And so without any passage of time needed, without any, without any pause, the water is turned to wine. John Chrysostom also points out that he, he doesn't say immediately bring this to all of those who need more wine. But he, he instructs to bring this to the chief steward. Noting that the chief steward would be sober. His opinion would actually matter. The drunk guests at the wedding would not offer any opinion that would prove that a miracle had happened or that the wine was of any quality. Our Lord will do similar things when he sends the cured leper to the priests, right? Go and do whatever they insist. That will be enough. So consider then how this this first miracle, a blessing on this couple's marriage and a retaking of the theme of marriage that begins all of sacred scripture and concludes all of sacred scripture heaven being compared to a wedding feast. Our Lord also, in a sense, reveals the plan of how we are going to be sanctified. Compare yourself then to the water. Your body, your soul, already created by God. The divine act is already done. We weren't observers of the divine act of our having been created. What remains is for this creature to be divinized. What remains is the water to be turned into wine. What's the process that that will require? It will require grace from the cross, which means the incarnation of our Lord the growing of the grapes, 
The harvesting of the grapes, our Lord's death on the cross. And the crushing of the grapes and the fermenting. And the time. And our Lord's resurrection and ascension into heaven. And dispensing of grace through the Holy Spirit and the church. We as creatures who live after all of these events experience this infusion of grace that doesn't require our actually physically being present when our Lord was born and is crucified and is risen and ascends into heaven. Our Lord compresses all of that and, and, and so generously and so effortlessly imparts his grace to us, plants it in our soul, sanctifies us, heals us. And water has turned to wine. What's more, this miracle of God sanctifying human souls isn't of a nature that it will be applauded by the general public. The drunk wedding guests won't really care all that much. They don't even know what they're drinking anymore. But those people who, who know, those people who observe, will be able to recognize something quite extraordinary is going on here. This isn't just a person who's polite. This isn't a person who's just simply cultured. This is a person in whom God dwells. These days, the Diocese of Richmond is on our mind. Not only do we have a governor uh, inaugurated yesterday, but a new bishop of Richmond installed on Friday. Frank Parader, as a seminarian for the diocese, when the diocese was the entire state of Virginia, died a seemingly um, simple, ordinary death as a seminarian in Rome. His anniversary coming up in February. And when his colleagues and fellow seminarians gathered his belongings to send back to his family here in the States because his body had to be buried in Rome, they noticed envelopes that were sealed as having been marked to be opened only in case of his death. Letters that he had written a few months before before any of his illness had shown itself. And he asked the Lord for the grace of, uh, of being able to be a young saint in heaven, like Aloysius Gonzaga, like John Berkman's. He didn't, he didn't want to shirk any responsibility of, of priesthood or vocation, but he knew that his judgment would be easiest at a young age. And he asked the Lord if it be his will that he celebrate next Easter in heaven. He also wrote a letter to the scouts back in Virginia and talked about how he gave up all of his life and everything was offered up for the salvation of souls in Virginia with particular devotion to the Sacred Heart. He prayed for the conversion of every Virginian 
he was ostensibly just an ordinary seminarian, did the things that seminarians were supposed to do. When they read the letters after his death, they realized that they had been in the midst of a saint and didn't, didn't realize it. So I'm not sure what to suggest. Beg the Lord to turn your water into wine or permit him to do so. Beg him because it's his grace. It's his work. It's his accomplishment. It's his death and resurrection. Permit him because it won't be the way you want it to be and it won't get the attention of the people you desire. But the angels and the saints in heaven will see. As bread is turned into our Lord's body, blood, and divinity, and the wine turned into his soul and divinity, our Lord is alive. This is not a resuscitated corpse, but each particle of the species, our body, blood, soul, and divinity. And we witness the miracle. Hopefully not as a distracted guest. But in company with the Blessed Virgin who has told us to do whatever he says. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.